Hi, this is Brian Stevens from SpyPoint, and I'm excited to talk with Dan Smith from Media360. You might know Dan from the popular TV show and media platforms, Deer and Deer Hunting. I've been a fan of this show and the content for many years. This is a treat for me to talk to a true expert in the field of deer hunting. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Spy Point Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Stevens, and on this show, we get to talk about hunting, tactics, technology, and the inside scoop from industry pros. Follow along each month as we learn, laugh, and grow together with the passion we all have for the outdoors. This is the Spy Point Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing fine. It's it's raining here, but we're we're very happy. It's the first rain we've had in a month, so I'm I'm ecstatic about that. No, that's good. That's good for the food plots and everything. Listen, it's my pleasure to you know welcome you to the podcast today and to speak with you. You know, I thought before we jump into some topics, you know, take an opportunity to let people know a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you know, I know many people have seen you and, you know, I've seen you over the years on Deer and Deer Hunting TV and a lot of the different media platforms and, you know, have just such a, you know, long background and legacy in in the whitetail world. But, you know, just take a few minutes and help people understand a little bit about your background and and what got you to Deer and Deer Hunting and, and we'll kick it off after that. All right. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Um, and I feel like I talk about myself too much, so I'm, I'm kind of shy that way. But I've been here uh, with deer and deer hunting for 25 years. It'll be actually 26 here pretty soon. Congratulations. Uh, lifelong. Thank you very much. Lifelong dream for me. Um, I've told the story a million times, and everybody's probably heard it already. But um, when I was in eighth grade, and this was going to date myself, back in 1981, our English teacher asked us to write a paper on what we quote-unquote, wanted to do when we grew up uh, for a job. And I wrote, it would have been April 1981, I wrote a paper that said I wanted to be the editor of Deer and Deer Hunting Magazine, which I never knew about until um, I got, actually, I, I got into this job, and my mom had saved that. That is um, so cool. She, she, she passed away in 2008, yeah. and uh, she had given that to me. Uh, well, well, it's 25 years ago. And I'm like, I didn't, I mean, I love deer hunting all those times, but I didn't realize, but it's been a long, lifelong dream for me. It, it was not easy. I went through, didn't think I was going to college. I worked construction with my dad. I did a lot of stuff and um, I decided I'm going to try to go to college, majored in journalism, accredited program here in Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh. And I worked in newspapers. I did a lot of things and it took me probably uh, well, it, I'm, it's not probably, it took me 10 years out of high school to finally get here. So it, uh, it, it's been a long journey, but since I've been here, it's, it's been, it's been like living the dream. I always tell people it keeps working for a living because a lot of my friends are, they work for a living, you know, they work at boundaries, they, yep. they do construction, they do real work. And for me to have to talk about deer hunting all day long and, you know, do videos and, and magazines. It's, it's not easy work. I mean, you know that media yep. is not easy work. It's mentally, mentally taxing, but it sure is uh, rewarding. Well, that that's an amazing story, and congratulations. And you guys, you know, and you in particular, have clearly built a legacy in the brand of deer and deer hunting, you know, whether it be TV, media, magazine, all of that, that I know for many years, you know, I followed and respected. So, again, congratulations on a great career and, and a lot of years to come. And, you know, it's nice to be able to, you know, do something that you're passionate about. So listen, 
what we speaking of deer hunting, we know that it's right around the corner. And, you know, it, in fact, it, you know, there's a lot of people out West mule deer hunting right now. And, and even in some States, uh, they're already hunting in South Carolina as the middle of August. And, you know, being a guy from the Southeast, I've spent a lot of hours in mid August sweating, you know, and chase mosquitoes to try to get an opportunity to deer and velvet. But let's talk about, you know, that early season deer hunt, um, you know, that that's really, you know, among us. And it's one of my favorite times of the year. But from your standpoint, you know, having the opportunity to know, you know, deer behavior, but also the hunting strategies, you know, what is really when it comes to early season deer hunting, what's your favorite aspect of that? That's Great questions, Brian. Um, early season for me, because as you mentioned, there's so many opportunities out there. Um, Wyoming starts September 1st, South Carolina, as you mentioned. I think Tennessee has got a velvet season going on right now. Okay. There, there's a, Nebraska. You know, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of these early seasons that are just starting now. And the neat thing about that, you know, a lot of guys, okay, I grew up in Wisconsin, you know, upper Midwest and, they get kind of locked into our season comes in September 12th this year, which is actually early. It's always the second, second Saturday in September, but they get locked into thinking like, well, I can't kill a big buck until, you know, at least then, or, you know, October 1st in, yeah. in Illinois or October 15th or wherever it happened to be, or I got to wait till the rut. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, if you follow a deer and you know deer, um, you could kill a big deer in velvet right now. You could kill a, a big deer just coming out of velvet right now. And it's just knowing, it's following right now the, the food sources and, and how are, how they're utilizing them heading up to autumn, which is going to be in a couple of weeks here. So um, to me, it's very exciting because it, it extends your season, especially if you have the opportunity and you don't have to be rich to do this. You, if you have the opportunity to jump across the state line or, or go, you know, go somewhere else where they have an early season, you can experience it's, it's almost like having four seasons in one because you can have that early August slash September. You can wait until the pre-rut. You can hunt the rut, and then you can hunt the late season. So you can extend it from literally, like you said, August all the way in some of the southern states. You're talking January. So I mean, it's uh, it, it really extends things and makes it that much more enjoyable. Yeah, there's no question. And you know, one of the things that I found here, especially you know, growing up in Florida and hunting in the southeast is that, you know, a lot of these big mature deer can be pretty patternable that early part of the season before they really get nocturnal. And I've had, you know, some great success shooting some really big deer over the years in that that early part of the season. It just because, you know, they're, they're in that pattern. And if you can get some inventory, know where they're coming out, you know, only hunt the wind when it's right, you can shoot some really big deer in, uh, you know, late August and September before they just, you know, they go hidden. And for that, that's one of the reasons why I love it so much. That's exactly right. And you hit it right on the head with, you have to know deer behavior. Because those big bucks, that right now, they are very patternable. But you've got, man, you've got like one chance. You know, you've yeah. got maybe a couple days. <laughs> yep. You know, you better you better play your cards right. Yeah. But it, it can be done. And um, that's, like I said, that's the fun part about it. No, it is. I mean, so if, if you think about it, there's obviously a strategy to it. So you, you said you only have a few chances to do it. You know, I'm a big believer in, in the moon and, you know, when these, especially during that early season. 
But, you know, sometimes you have certain scenarios where you may not want to hunt the morning and you only want to hunt the afternoon or you may, you know, hunt only the morning based on how these deer are coming in and out of these food plots and scenarios. So from your standpoint, what are one or two key strategies for success? And then maybe what are one or two mistakes that people make during that early season? Uh, that's a good. Another excellent question. The, the uh, strategies for success are pretty simple is you have to know how those deer are using that property. So you have to know where they're bedding generally, and you have to know how they're accessing those food sources. And for me, for the most part, I'm going to say, man, now it doesn't matter if I'm hunting down by you in Florida or, you know, out in Wyoming or up here in Wisconsin. For the most part, it's an afternoon gig uh, here in the early season. Most part, you know. You, I would agree. you basically you go out there and you get there at six seven o'clock at night and you watch those fields you find out exactly the trails those deer are coming out on and you better have those stands or blinds set up well in advance and uh, play the win and then basically what I'll do is I'll get in there early you know not super early because you know with the humidity and everything that's going to keep my scent around no matter how much I try to to eliminate it and then I will stay in there late. Uh, well after dark and, and allow somebody else to blow those deer off the field for me. If if I have to have somebody do that, you know, that's, like I said, one, two, three hunts, if I have to do that, and that's going to be it because those bu- big bucks are going to know exactly what the gig, the, they're going to know things are happening. Um, and then for a morning hunt, um, in Wyoming, I have a special situation. I hunt with a friend of mine who happens to be an outfitter. Uh, he has excellent entry and exit routes to morning spots and basically those spots are in between food and bedding areas so um, normally those deer are going up to bed up high um, up on the least side of the hill in the morning they've been feeding down in the low alfalfa fields you know in the afternoon and at night and we try to catch them on their way back up there and yeah. that's a different that's a different situation you know you're catching a deer that's coming through so you might only have a window that's maybe a half an hour in Correct. the morning um and that's hard, but if you have that situation, I would do that. Mistakes, biggest mistake I see people do, especially here at home, because we have, where I live, central Wisconsin, we have 18,000 bow hunters in this county. And to give you a, um, give you some kind of perception there, there's 50,000 people that live in this county. <laughs> so out of the people that, half the people hunt, bow yeah. hunt. Yes. So wow. and, and they're hunting. They're hunting small properties. Yep. The biggest mistake I see them make is they run out to that stand in the morning. They come in for lunch and they run out again in the afternoon. And after opening weekend, it's pretty much going to be done for hunting mature bucks, anyways, for until later October. That biggest mistake I see is people say, "Well, I only have this time to hunt. I'm going to go hunt. I don't care," you know. And I'm like, "Okay, that's fine. You have fun. Absolutely, have fun." But if you're if you're set on killing a big deer, you can't do that. You're gonna, you, you, and that's what happens. Is you set yourself up for failure just because you're anxious to get out there and go hunting. That's such good feedback, and I can tell you, you know, early on in you know my career of hunting, you know, I made some of those exact mistakes. Two things that you mentioned were, you know, not having a strategic entrance and exit route to that stand, and then two, even if you stayed after dark 
you know, when you got down and left, you're blowing everything out because that bigger buck may not be coming in until right at dark or even a few minutes after dark. And so if you're getting out when then he's coming in, you've blown it out. So if you have somebody that has the ability to come pick you up right at the stand, you know, those one or two times, it just increases your chance. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to shoot a really big deer here in Georgia um, a few years back. And, you know, what I had learned was I hunted him one time. The wind was good. I didn't shoot him. Um, and I waited, you know, almost seven more days until I got the right wind. And that's when I went back in and, and I shot him. And, he, and it was just, you know, it worked out after a lot of mistakes. But just knowing that I'm not going to hunt until the conditions are right, and the conditions were right, and I was able to kill him, but I gave it seven days and just didn't go hunt him to hunt him, you know, because I knew I'd blow him out. That's that's the way you do it, and the, the problem, or I shouldn't say the problem, the thing that I try to impress upon special people, especially people here at home, because they're kind of both. They love to hunt big bucks, but at the same time, they want to maybe shoot a few does early. Yeah. What I tell people is take take the tactic that you just described, and they're like, well, man, that sucks. I'm only going to be hunting like once or twice in the first month. I said, yes, but here's the thing. Find yourself a little spot, five, six acres behind some old lady's house. I mean, I've, I've done this a lot. Where they're going to let you take out a bill or two. And that will allow you then to basically funnel that energy. Hey, I'm having fun and I get to hunt, but that spot that you're talking about where you know where that big deer is, you're leaving it alone until it's right. And that is the hardest thing. And people say, well, what's the perfect conditions? I say perfect conditions are basically no wind. Wait until it's calm. Uh, The other thing is, is wait until it's not humid. It, like like you talk about hunting Florida, well, it's humid all the time there. Well, yeah, there might not be any wind, but they're going to smell you a mile away because it's, you know, 100% humidity and there's nothing you can do about it. And that deer gets within 30 yards, he's going to smell you. But what, that's one thing I always say is think outside the box. Yeah. If you really love to go deer hunting, find a spot where you can kill a doe or two. That, so that's not going to just drive you insane and then hunt that spot when you shouldn't be hunting it when you're trying to hunt for that big buck. And that will hopefully extend you, depending on when your season starts, it's, it's going to extend you to those better better weeks. No, that's great, great advice. Great, great feedback. So let's transition now. You know, we've, we've hit some early season strategies, you know, whether it be late August, you know, that month of September. Now we're going to transition into the month of October. And a lot of people have different philosophies on October and that October lull, and it can be really difficult. Um, and I do think in some parts of the country, you know, October can be tough. But there's also other parts of the country when in October I've shot some really big deer and it can be a, a great month. So what is your thought process around, you know, moving into that month of October and how to hunt it? I'm going to answer that question by just talking about my experiences here at home over the past okay. 35 years. I've killed my biggest bucks here at home between October 10th and October 17th. Wow. Okay. I've, I've shot four, four open youngs in that time over the past 20 years for sure. And, um, what it is, I definitely believe there is a quote-unquote lull. I don't believe that it's what a lot of people crack it up to be. But but what happens here is you've got, a, basically, there's a physiological change in the white tail. You've got, when you're coming from August to September, you're going from summer range to transitioning to fall range, plus the whole velvet shedding process and everything. 
So you got that, there's a change there. And then when you get into October, there's another change in the fact that those bucks are really, even though they have their core areas nailed down, so to speak, there still is some jockeying of position. And they're, I, I guess I want to say they're almost timid. Okay. Um, in how in how they are, I don't know if that's the right term, but it's in how that they're basically using the property. Because you'll see it. You're like, I'm just not seeing these bucks where they were in September. Their, their patterns are different. What I, what works for me here, and I'm not going to say it's going to work for you where you're at or work for somebody in Nebraska, but what works for me here is when you see that transition coming and you see this, it's basically things are really starting to slow down. I, I can't say this enough. It's knowing your property. Now, you guys are turkey hunters, right? Yes. <laughs> so basically what I tell people, this is an easy thing for a turkey hunter to understand. Um, if you're a good turkey hunter, you know that you have to know that property like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. You have to That's know right. where that Dalbert's going to hang up, why he's doing things that he's doing. Why is he using that little wrinkle in the ridge to go from point A to point B where he could be coming down the future? There's certain things about turkey behavior. It's no different than deer. And when you really know these bucks that I've killed, I knew their whole, their core range intimately. I knew how that they were accessing their bedding areas and the feeding areas. And I basically just set up in those transition zones in morning, during morning. I've killed them, I think almost, I think every one of those deer I've killed between nine o'clock in the morning and 11 o'clock in the morning. And like I said, it's not like you just turn on a water spout and Oh my God, here comes deer at nine o'clock. No, it's basically, I didn't see a single deer that day, but the one I saw came through at nine and Oh, by the way, it happened to be the buck I wanted to kill. So, um, that's what for October, that's what I do. I kind of say early October for early October. I stay off of those feeding areas because if you hunt them too much, you just educate those deer way too much. Um, and I try to, I try to start hunting those transition zones a little bit. And some of those transition zones, they're just, it's, it's, you're not going to find it today. You're not going to find it next week. It's basically, you know, people don't want to hear this because they want to answer right now what they need to do. It's basically, I call it the three-year plan. If I'm on a new property, it's going to take me three years to really figure out how those big bucks use it. And it, and it, it's always the way I see it here. Again, I always preface everything by saying that. Once I kill what I call an alpha buck, and it's, he's not necessarily the alpha buck, he just happens to be a mature buck, I find, for the most part, that mature bucks in subsequent years pretty much do the same thing. If that land does not change, if the land's not clear-cut, if there's not major changes to the topography, they basically are doing the same thing year after year. They're, they're cutting through this little spot over the ridge. Why I don't know, but they, they, they you basically learn it, and I always tell people you you become a better deer by sh- letting the deer show you how to hunt, and yeah. that's just take meticulous notes and keep them in your head. And I think for to answer your question for that early October hunting, don't get discouraged. Just start digging deeper into your mental notes as to, okay, what did the deer do previously, and try to base your your early decisions off of that. No, that's great feedback. And and listen, it's tough. I mean, and I think what you're describing as well is there's hunting deer in general, or there's hunting a particular deer that you've pinpointed through, whether it be, you know, surveillance, intel from game cameras, those kind of things. And I think when you're hunting a 
particular deer or a mature deer, you have to have this kind of patience and diligence to, to really do it consistently. You may not do it every year, but, you know, over the years, you're going to have an opportunity to, you know, get on these bigger deer versus just hunting deer in general and just hoping for the best of whatever comes by that that's which is fine but you know it's it sounds like you know these are great strategies for that mature deer no matter what he scores and that's you know one of the things I think you know a lot of time gets you know overlooked it's a matter of just the amount of inches or the amount of bone but it on a deer it's more to me it's whatever that mature deer is an age and you know, that's the trophy is if you can shoot a mature deer, no matter if he scores 125 or, you know, 180, if he's five or six years old, that's hard to do with a bow. Visit spypoint.com forward slash insiders to learn all about the new SpyPoint Insiders Club that gets you incredible discounts on things like photo transmission plans and accessories, free shipping from spypoint.com, exclusive content and giveaway access, and the most advanced mobile scouting tools SpyPoint has to offer. That's spypoint.com forward slash insiders. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's absolutely correct. And uh, if I can just plug a couple guys that I work with, uh, John Eberhardt out of Michigan, Steve Bartilla out of Wisconsin here, uh, the late John Trout, out of Indiana. If any of those guys, if you just write those names down, find their books, and that's exactly what you're talking about, those types of tactics is what they've been writing about for decades. And like most of those, especially Eberhardt and Bartilla, okay. um, they just they did it off of hunting public land. And, and that's and even that, tougher. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's To me, I, that's how I grew up hunting. Yeah. But not to the level of, the, not to the level of these guys. These guys are freaks. I mean, they just they figure that stuff out. And John has always said he doesn't care about the scope. I mean, basically, he's, he's going after a mature buck, and his, his success speaks, speaks for itself. But, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it, it's basically learning that, learning that behavior and then just applying it. And that, that, comes with, that wisdom comes with age. You know, um, with age, the more you know about not just about deer but what's around you. You know, the more you know about the the flora, the more about the trees, how's that habitat changing? What's the mass situation like? Um, all sorts of things going to play there, and it's really going to help you become a better hunter throughout the long run. Well, you know, and I think, and I'm so glad you shared some of those individuals, you know, to learn from, and why not? And I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of people have a mentality of I'm going to figure it out myself, and maybe an ego involved, or just being a little hard headed, or you know, with trying to learn from other people, but you have to, with anything to be successful, you have to be willing to learn, evolved, you know, get information and intelligence, whether it's from people, you self-study and you learn information, strategies, property, all of those things help you become better over time. Again, if you want to consistently see and have an opportunity to harvest mature deer, which I think that's all of us, you know, would, would love to be able to do. And so, you know, and, and, you know, listen, I'm one that I've learned over the years, made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, I think as you said, as we get older and a little more wisdom, you know, your, your library gets, you know, more full because you're learning more and, and receptive to different strategies and tactics. That's a hundred percent. And I'm, I'm going to mention this. Don't go looking for it because you can't find it. I wrote a book called Whitetail Wisdom. It's out of print. It came out about 15 years ago. 
And the whole premise of that book and the blog that I do for deer and deer hunting, Charlie Alzheimer, greatest deer behaviorist we've ever known. He was one of my best friends. He passed away in 2017. Oh, I'm sorry. He worked for deer and deer. Thank you. He, he, he worked for deer and deer hunting for almost, well, I was from 79 to, I mean, it was over 30 years. Wow. And he told, he told me, cause we were both big baseball fans and he, he played baseball semi-professionally when he was younger. And, um, he always told me if you're a sports player, he says, don't believe your own clips. And that stuck with me. I was 27 years old when he told me that. And I said, yeah, you're right. He said, you're going to learn from, he said, just shut your mouth and listen to other people. And that was the whole premise of that book. And my whole, my whole way of thinking here at deer and deer hunting is don't be so proud to think like, Oh, I have to learn this on my own. There's a million guys who have gone before us. And this, applies to everything in your life that, and it goes back 3,000 years, by the way, um, everything in your life that learn from the, those that went before you. Don't let history repeat itself. And now if we're going to boil it down to something simple as deer hunting, absolutely. So there's a ton of guys, and you might, there's some young guys out there, I call it youthful arrogance. They think, and I get it, I, I've been there myself when I was young and, thought, and thought, yep. I was invincible. Yep. No, man, those guys, didn't know. that's some old guy who was hunting, you know, 30 years ago. Well, that old guy hunting 30 years ago knew what he was doing. Yep. And the guy that was 30 years before him knew what he was doing. You know, just because they didn't have a, you know, Matthew's bow or, a, you know, a 10-point crossbow or whatever, they were shooting with a beat out of 30-30. Those guys knew how to kill deer, and they're probably way better than we are. That's right. So basically, the thing, the thing there is, is take that in. Some of the stuff, you might, you might say, well, this doesn't apply to me. But you're going to be surprised that a lot of it does. So that's, I've, I've taught this to, I've done a lot of these uh, speaking events with school kids. Um, one of the best examples I always use is, I said, let's, let's pretend for a second that deer hunting is like your math class. And you're in math class, whether you're in sixth grade or eighth grade or a freshman in high school or whatever. And you'll always say, well, when am I ever going to use this again? You never know. Yep. And that's why they, that, that they, they teach you that cognitive thinking and that's what it's all about. And it's the same thing with this. What, why do I care that a deer needs to eat six times a day and that it's going to consume between four and six and a half pounds of food a day? Why do I care? You know why I care? Because if I'm hunting public land, where's that buck getting six pounds of food by eating you a, little, right. you know, yep. a little piece of browse here, a little piece of browse there? Well, now I got to think, where is this food? You know, and now I got to figure. Oh, I never thought about that. Here's a clear cut over here, and they probably get a lot of that browse from this aspen regrowth. That's the types of things. Um, keep that open mind. Become a sponge. Uh, it's easy to do these days with these smartphones and everything else. Become a sponge. Take in as much information as you can, and try to find those guys. You know, especially now, a lot of the younger people probably listening to this. You know, they're going to probably say, "Oh, well, I." I watch a lot of Pat Nicole or Lee and Tiffany or, or the Drury's or, or John O'Dell or some, some of these other, you know, Michael Waddell, you know, and they're, they're saying, oh, yeah, it must be. Look, those guys have killed thousands of big bucks. You know, it's entertaining, yes, but at the same time, when I'm watching that, I can learn a lot. Yep. So, uh, that's, I guess, my little, my little uh, pulpit message for the day is, don't think that you're smart enough that you can't learn from other people. Beautiful. Great, great advice, my friend. Great advice. 
So let's take this conversation and turn it to, you know, a couple of favorite hunts. I, I've got to tell you, one of the one the shows that I loved watching you do was the deer hunt down in South Florida where you shot that freaking toad of a buck. And, you know, Billy and I grew up in Florida. We've hunted a lot of deer, a lot of animals in the state of Florida. And a lot of people don't realize that, yeah, they're, they're not the caliber of deer that you have in the Midwest or other states, but you can still get on some really big deer while the bodies may not be as big. There's some really big, you know, deer, mature deer down there. So talk about that hunt and, you know, it's a cool story how it all trans, you know, inspired and all came together. That's actually one of my favorite hunts of all time. And I've, I've done a lot of them here at deer and deer hunting, but um, just for your benefit, anybody who wants to say, Florida doesn't grow big deer. Keep perpetuating that. <laughs> You're not going to get the people coming down and bothering you. But if I have to tell the truth, um, someday when I'm rich and famous, I will be hunting Florida every single year because it's it's incredible. Now, yep. thing about it is, is when you think about Florida, you don't think big bucks. Well, we you know, I mean, living there, you know that's not true. They grow big bucks. the The problem is is access obviously i mean you got millions of people living there and i'm sure there's a ton of deer hunters that you don't even know about access is the biggest thing that buck there i shot i believe i'm I'm probably gonna get this wrong but i think it was i think it was 2014 it's like six years ago yeah and um we went down there to film uh a tv show now i had never deer hunted florida well now i take that back i had deer hunted florida there once or twice twice in the early nineties, but it was uh it was kind of like a hog hunt where they let us each kill a doe and that was fun. That was back when compounds were right. just compounds. But I digress. So th- they they said, okay, you get to we, we want you to kill a buck on film, blah, blah, blah. And I, I mean you're gonna probably know it worse better than I can remember, but it was north, west of Okeechobee, yep. uh, that area called Buck Island. Yep. Big cattle ranch, uh cattle farming area. And this guy, he wasn't an outfitter. Uh, we set it up. It was an industry hunt. We probably had, I don't know, maybe half a dozen people there. I believe Jay Salgerman was there and uh, some other really great bow hunters. And um, the guys from Easton were there. It was it was pretty cool. So we, we went, and I didn't really know what to expect. And I thought, like, well, number one. And number two, uh, Terry Boder was our TV producer at the time. Uh, just a veteran, just really good TV producer. And he was with me. And we woke up that first morning. It was 94 degrees and <laughs> ungodly humid. And the mosquitoes. And we stepped out there. Oh, oh, that was my next point. So we stepped out of the truck, and it was just a, a shelf cloud of yep. mosquitoes. And I just look at him, and we didn't want to sit there and complain. You know, I'm like, uh, okay, so... The guy tells us, he goes, okay, walk down this road. There's a ladder stand. You both can sit in it. And I, we get up there and mosquitoes just, I mean, I'm just talking, un, you know this, unbearable. Yep. So we get set it, we get set off in the stand. I look at Terry. I said, the first thing with an antler is getting killed. <laughs> I said, this is Florida. I'm told it's like, yep. it has an antler, it's dead. So um, basically that, you know, we had both thermocells going. And um, that buck came in first light, and he so. All right, I'll for, for the whole thing here. A deer came out, and I missed it. And um, 
I thought I hit it, mm-hmm. but I missed it. Yep. And he goes, well, let's do, let's do some cutaways here, anyway. So he said, you know, with with television, you do do some cutaways, and some of it is not real time, yep. obviously. Yep. So um, he says, he goes, look behind the tree and pretend you're glassing, and I'm I'm glassing, and I can't repeat this on the podcast, but I said, holy cow, <laughs> there is a huge freaking box right there. And he goes, yeah, that's good, but can you just do it again without the expletives? And I look at him with my eyes, I'm like, dude, I'm not I'm not kidding you. Yeah. And here this box, he the was one forty-four, yep. eleven points. And that's huge anywhere but for Florida. I mean, it's, I think he would have been number nine all time hope in young if I wow. and uh, he uh, he was with another mature box, like a nice eight point. Yep. I mean I'm talking like sixteen inch wide eight point. And they came right so Terry is like standing on the ladder filming me and he was afraid of height. And uh, Terry's gonna hate me for saying that. But um they uh, both bucks came right underneath the stand. Carries right on them. And if you watch that, if you go to our YouTube channel and just Google, uh, there's a couple of my Florida hunts in there. But if you Google that one, uh, Buck Island, uh, I, I just it was a mess. After I shot, I was a, a quivering, shaking mess after I shot that buck. But that was one of the most that was one of the most memorable hunts. Um, I've had a lot of them, but uh, Oregon. I hunted out there. That was for mule deer, and that was uh, Hawaii. I hunted wild axis deer out there. Very cool. Um, th- those were probably the two most memorable as far as an adventure goes. But here within the United States, Florida, that's got to be near the top of the list. Wyoming, uh, I've had so many of them that it's just been uh, – it, normally how it is is like that. It's just something completely une- – you know, I was not expecting that. I was not expecting going there to shoot some giant buck. And normally, you know how it is. Even when you're at home, when it surprises you, and maybe you've never seen that buck before, those are the ones that really stick in the back of your mind. Yeah, there's no there's no question. And that one just obviously near and dear to my heart just because of, you know, growing up down there. I know the caliber of deer. You know, Billy, his family had, you know, a ranch in central Florida next to the Orlando International Airport. And what they did is, you know, they would manage – their deer herd and you know a lot of cullen doe management and it wouldn't be uncommon to have a 200 pound 130 you know inch buck that was you know four and five years older and and old and for that part of the state was really uncommon and they had a huge poaching problem and everything because they had such good deer so if you can give them the food they've got good cover water and you can manage it you can grow some really big deer and the deer you shot down there was a reflection of good genetics and just you know um, you know, letting a deer get to, to, you know, four or five, six years old. So great yeah, story. It is. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, so let me ask you this, you know, um, one of your, maybe that could have been one of your weirdest hunts, any other hunt where it was just like, you know what, it, it's disastrous and you end up shooting a nice deer and it, maybe that was the, the, the one that you would tell, but are there any other, you know, hunts oh, that yeah. just, we're just totally, you know, out of the box and it ended up coming together and you're sitting there going, what just happened? Yes. Um, the, the, it was my first television hunt. If you can believe that it was, uh, I don't know the year. It was late nineties, probably. I think it was late nineties. Uh, it was with Brad Harris, legendary church. Of yes, he legendary is. In Missouri. Uh, Brad is one of the best hunters I've ever hunted. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah, he is. And really incredible. He is very good. So, so he took, he was working for Outland Sports at the time. They had like 
feather flex decoys, and they they had uh, various other products. They had the, the Loman game calls and that yep. kind of stuff. We went on a gun hunt with Brad, and it was supposed to be Kansas, but it was over on the Missouri-Kansas border. And we were staying in Missouri, and for whatever, I, I can't remember the details, but I did not draw a Kansas tag. So Brad's like, no problem. We can buy you a Missouri tag over the counter. So bought a Missouri tag over the counter, and it was Andy Swift, who was a cameraman uh, for Outland, was with me. And Brad, <laughs> Brad, Brad, and Brad, don't hate me for telling this story the way it actually happened. So um, I'm going to fast forward, and then I'm going to back up. Okay. So Brad went that first first morning. Brad goes hunting over the line in Kansas, and with his bow. And he comes back with a, I think it was a 14-point, 185-inch buck. Goodness Unbel- gracious. I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So when we're going to go out hunting, Andy's like, well, where am I taking Dan? And he said, okay, well, you know, there's one farm that we got. And he goes, okay. And Andy's trying to remember. Yeah, I guess. And he goes, okay, park there. Walk down this trail, and Andy's like, <laughs> we get out there, and he's like, I have no freaking clue where I'm taking you. Yep. He said, there's no tree stands, there's nothing. I have a, I have an OT6 uh, Browning pump, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I said, it's an opening day. We don't know where we're going. He goes, I was we'll figure it out. So we walk, he goes, we get there, and he goes, I do, and he goes, I have no idea, because I really haven't been on this property much. He said, we're going to walk down here about 200 yards, there's a little field that we're going to set up turkey hunting style. And I'm just, I'm incredulous. I'm like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust them. I yep, know these guys yep. know what they're doing. So we go down and we set up. It's going to take me a couple of minutes. <laughs> so we set up and I'm sitting there in turkey hunting style on the ground on this little crest of a hill. Okay. And um, this is almost like the story I just told about Terry. Well, Andy is behind me with a huge beta cam. I mean, remember the 60 oh, yeah. pound cameras? It's like a suitcase so on your shoulder. Of, <laughs> exactly. A full one with like filled with lead. Yep. And he is snapping off twigs and he's trying to position himself so he's over my shoulder. And uh, he's, you know, he's, you know, I don't want to say he's cursing, but he's, he's not happy. And he's, he's trying to set up behind me. And uh, it's just getting daylight when we get in there. And I look and I hear something and I can't quite see it. And I'm crooning and crooning and I'm just like, holy cow. And I'm like, dude, do not move. And he goes, oh, here's what I said, don't talk and don't move. Ten yards away is the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life. And the buck is walking along the edge of the field and he's going to come within eight steps. Oh, my gosh. And... And Andy's facing the other way. He's facing behind. He can't see what's going on. I just don't. Oh, that's the worst. It's the worst. Yep. So, and this is my first TV hunt. Okay. Yep. So I say, I said, I said, man, I am really sorry. And I just completely, the deer, at that second, the deer blows, takes two bounds. I shoulder my rifle. He stops, looks back, kerpow, I shoot. Deer runs off. And he's and he's just he goes, What are you, you're gonna get me fired? What are you doing? What did you do? And I said, You will not believe it. <laughs> I, he, he goes, It couldn't have been that bad. I said, You will not yep, believe it. Yep. That deer was 165 inches, he had 13 inch tubes. Wow. And I, I shot him at eight steps. That is uh, right so cool. That was that was probably, I mean, now if you compare that to Florida, it was probably that. 
considering I had never hunted on film before. Oh, I, I mean, I just. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was saying. But uh, that was like completely unexpected. And one of the, and uh, in, in hindsight, now I have a picture somewhere of Brad and I with our deer together. And it's one of my most treasured photos. It's like Brad's got this, you know, it's a 185 inch 14 pointer with split twos and you know, all sorts of extra stuff going on. And I got this giant, I think he was, a, he's at home. He's a, he's a mainframe 10. But the tines, he's like 20 inches wide and just oh. super tall tines, just gorgeous buck. Well, and to have a deer so, yeah. of that caliber, eight steps, 10 steps, eight I mean, that'll, that'll rattle your cage. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. I mean, to be at eye level and that close and to pull all that off, well, that that's a great story and congratulations. That will clearly be <laughs> one that you'll you'll never forget. So. Never, listen, never forget it. Yeah. absolutely. Well, um, it, it's been a great dialogue and I, I so appreciate you you know, sharing some of these stories and, and you know I think it's great for people to just get to know some of the people they see on TV or on you know videos but behind the scenes and, and just some of those you know real insights so talk to about tell people and talk about where they can go get more content from yourself your team you know specific to deer and deer hunting whether it be hunting strategies deer behavior all the things that you guys talk about to educate the hunter where can they go find some more of that information sure thank you um we have we're our our parent company now is called media 360 so we're everywhere we uh go to deer and deer hunting seven out deer and deer hunting.com that's our main website um, that you're going to find all the great web content. You're going to find all of our web shows. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, if you can believe it. Pinterest, we have over 450,000 fans on Sweet. there. Okay. We have almost 800,000 on Facebook. Uh, we got something that goes up almost every single day, whether it's a video or content on social media. Our YouTube channel um, is... Uh, DDH online. So just go to YouTube and just search for deer and deer hunting. I think, I think our page is actually just called deer hunting because whenever we set it up back in the day, but YouTube, all of our videos, we have online shows there. Um, I can't get into the 200 videos a year that we do just for social media and YouTube. Well, that's awesome. And then, um, pursuit channel, Saturday night deer camp starts at nine o'clock and runs for two hours. So we got deer and deer hunting TV, We've got Deer Tech TV. We got Growing Big with Steve Bartilla, and we have Landed Whitetail. Four programs there on Pursuit Channel, and also you can watch those full-length um, TV shows not only on our network, you know, our social media, yep, but yep. also uh, the Pursuit uh, Channel has a app, uh, free app called Pursuit Up, and you can get all the TV shows on there as well. So the magazine you can uh, that started it all in 1977. Deer and Deer Hunting was the first whitetail specific publication in America. Okay, I didn't realize that. And um, yep, it started as the Stump Sitters in 1973, and that was just a whitetail study group. And they said uh, we're gonna have a newsletter. We're gonna call it Deer and Deer Hunting, and that came out in 1977. The print title comes out um, 11 times a year. You can get it for like 19 bucks delivered to your door, or you can get it digitally if you want to read it on your iPad or whatever. But uh, go on our website for that, deerandeerhunting.com, and just go subscribe. Uh, we, we produce a, this over 100-page magazine every, every once, once, once a month, just about. Um, yep. And it's got everything you want in there as well. So we got other things, too, I want to plug real quick. We do uh, turkey and turkey hunting. That's an annual magazine. We have Trapper and Predator Caller that comes out monthly. 
Uh, for anybody who likes to trap, we have an ice fishing title. Uh, we do a modern hunter magazine, and we also have a new magazine that we do in conjunction with a partner called Guns DIY. So if you're into guns and shooting, go to the newsstands. It's the only place you can get it. It's a, it's a, I call it a book. It's a magazine just about you can take your everyday gun and get these at we tell you which aftermarket products to buy to make oh, super trigger, cool. to make all sorts of cool stuff. That's called Guns DIY. That just dropped on the newsstands right now. So in a nutshell, deerandeerhunting.com, Pursuit Channel on Saturday nights, and you can find anything you want to satisfy your If you journey. can't find it there and entertain yourself and learn something, then uh, you got a problem. <laughs> That's covered. Then, then you got some kind of problem. That's Probably it. Worse than what we have. That's it. Well, listen, my friend, it's been a true pleasure and, and honestly an honor to uh, talk with you. I've, I've followed you in, over the years and, you know, at ATA, we had an opportunity to talk and share some stories and today really dig into it. And um, you're a true ambassador to, you know, the hunting industry and to deer hunting and, and educating. And I, I respect that so, so much. So um, I look forward to doing this again and I wish you the very best this season and, and hope you and your family are safe and well. Awesome. Thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate everything that you guys do and everybody there. I would just like to repeat what you said and everybody listening to this, just go out and have some fun and don't get stressed out about it. This is what we do. This is our lifestyle. And however you do it, as long as you're doing it legally, there can't be anything wrong with that. Yep. That's right. That's great advice, my friend. All right, Dan, you be good. All right, man. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Thanks. Don't forget to visit spypoint.com forward slash project for all the latest from Project SpyPoint. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest on SpyPoint trail cameras and the outdoors.